Mr. Tom Baker. And as is our custom on Wednesdays these days, we're taking a look at the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. We're taking a look today at the church of Thyatira. It begins chapter 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of their works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, that's the message of Jesus to the church in Thyatira. And once more, we're going to see a number of similarities with Thyatira and what is going on in the world today, and particularly in the United States. First of all, Thyatira. It is a part of Asia Minor, uh, like the other churches, and it was conquered by the Romans in 190 BC. So almost two centuries before Jesus was born. It's best noted for the dyeing of purple cloth. In fact, if you'll remember in Acts 16, Lydia, a woman, is referred to as a seller of purple cloth, and she was converted to Christianity by the Apostle Paul when she was in the city of Philippi. But it is mentioned that she was from. Thyatira. Most important in Thyatira was a temple 
dedicated not to Jesus Christ, but to the sun god Apollo. So we begin with verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write. And we've talked about this in each of the other kind of messages to the churches. The angel is either the pastor of the church, the ministers of the church, or there could be an actual angel. We mentioned in Solomon's temple, you have the two cherubim in the holiest of holy. And then in the other holy places, there are a number of emblems of cherubim angels. So whether or not God has a specific angel keeping watch over each church, we'll know that better when we get to heaven. And it says the introduction to Jesus is different in each of the seven churches. In this one, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Now, he's referred to as the Son of God. This is the only time in Revelation that he's referred to as the Son of God. But it makes it clear this is not a part of creation. He is not a created angel. He is not only a human being, but he is of the same essence as the Father, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. But what's this bit about eyes like a flame of fire, feet like burnished bronze? Well, actually, this is a quotation from Revelation chapter 1. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a service. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Now, we've said a whole number of times that the code to Revelation is found many times in the Old Testament also. Listen to Daniel 7. Daniel has this vision. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. Now, who's the Ancient of Days? In Daniel 7, the Ancient of Days is God the Father. And what does he do in Daniel 7? He sends the Son of Man, who is Jesus Christ, to earth to redeem the earth. Now, what's so fascinating, remember Jesus says when the disciples, when can we see the Father? He says, well, you see me, I and the Father are one. 
And Revelation 1 describes Jesus himself in the same way that the Ancient of Days, God the Father, is described in Daniel 7. Eyes are a flame of fire. In the Old Testament, that refers to righteous anger against all false teachers. And why are his feet bronze? That's with the determination to trample underfoot his enemies. You, you may have seen Mel Gibson's passion film, and you may be unaware that Mel Gibson, even though he was the director, also took a part in the film. He was the one who put the nails into Jesus. But at the beginning of the film, we have Jesus standing on a serpent, which is very close to what Daniel 7 and Revelation talks about, that the Son of Man has come to trample down evil. So, as with all other letters to the churches, they begin with a reference to Jesus. They're in different picture language, but here we get the Daniel 7 kind of figure that Jesus is. Verse 19, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Now, what does that mean? How can the latter works of a church exceed the first? Well, if you've ever been involved in the origin of a Christian church, you may have a congregation and they decide to put up a building and they have worship services, but as the church grows, their later works begin to exceed their first works. They may have a ladies' aid that does work in the neighborhood, giving food to the poor. Uh, my congregation that I was at for 28 years would have clothing sales for clothing, and you could put all the clothing you could put in a plastic bag, and I think we charged them something like a dollar. So the church, as it grows, exceeds the works that it first began with. So that's the good part of the church. So there's the details of each church, the outline, they're similar. Here's Jesus. Here's what I like about you. What don't I like about you? This is verse 20. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Now, you may remember that Jezebel 
was wife of the wicked king Ahab, and she brought the worship of Baal into the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, we don't know if there was really a woman called Jezebel. It appears that the writer John, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is using her name in a symbolic fashion, referring to specific individuals in Thyatira who are acting like Jezebel was. What is her specific sin found in the Old Testament? Her sin was syncretism. That is a belief that all religions have the same value. And therefore, it doesn't really matter what religion you follow, but you are therefore enabled to be benefited by following any God at all. Of course, there's a denial that Christ is the only person for salvation as the Son of God. And by the way, on tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Wes Reinitz, we're going to be quoting from an article that I received at church, newspaper article, about a woman pastor who is acting like Jezebel. And we'll give you more details on that tomorrow. God says, verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Now, we have those kinds of women pastors in the country today. In the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, uh, the head of the church is a woman pastor, which of course is contrary to the will of God, and she authorizes and okays the marriage of two gay pastors who are men. This immorality that God talks about in the Old Testament is really a form of idolatry. Immorality is simply going against God's word and no longer repenting of that immorality. What does God say? Verse 22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. First point to make is not that she willingly goes to a sickbed. Uh, for example, when any of us go to a hospital because of an illness, we willingly go to the hospital, we willingly will take surgery, etc., in order to feel better. But in the original Greek here, this is not an action on her part. It is an action done to her by God. I will throw her into a sickbed. And those who practice what she preaches will be thrown into great tribulation. It's not at all unusual to 
find out in our society that those who commit suicide the most are either homosexuals, uh, adulterers, uh, fornicators, and others who commit like abortion, etc. Because God's promise comes true that they are thrown into great tribulation. In fact, the worst tribulation to be thrown into is that when you sin, there are no negative consequences that you can recognize. That happened in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, where people thought that what was once wrong was now okay, and vice versa. And then verse 23, and I will strike her children dead. Now remember, death has a number of meanings in the Bible. When God said to Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you will die, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it appears they didn't die. They kept on living. But death there meant separation from God. And therefore those churches that encourage and practice immorality against the will of God, those people end up in a death because they no longer repent of their works. So we go on. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Remember, one of the duties I like doing is taking a look at the readings for a following Sunday. And I keep reading them until I find something that appears to contradict Christian theology. And that's what happens here in verse 23, that God says he will give to us each according to your works but he describes how he does that by searching the mind and heart. What does that mean? Well, if you take a look at the Old Testament, you also not only have a flesh and soul, but you have two minds and two hearts. They are a result of David's prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The mind and heart that Jesus searches on the day of judgment is your new mind and your new heart that is motivated by the Holy Spirit. It's what you received, for example, in holy baptism or when you came to faith by hearing the word of God. Remember, mind and heart searching refers not just to the actions of thought, word, and deed, but to the motivations behind one's actions. Christians have received a new heart that is both sinless and holy in God's sight. So, Rather than taking revenge on people, verse 32 says, God speaking, 
for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God, so turn and live. We, we see that on the cross, two thieves, both heard Jesus' words. The one came to faith, turned to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and the other one had no faith. Verse 24, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, you have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. Now what's that talking about? The deep things of Satan would be to have your mind captured by Satan and believe the immorality that is being taught even in churches these days, and that he will not lay on you any other burden? What does that mean? Well, take a look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God does not give the Christian more temptation than he can endure and will even provide a way of escape. So many times we are not tested None of us are tested like Abraham was. Kill your son Isaac. And that was a test. So to hold fast what we have until Jesus returns refers to hold fast to the word of God, which brought us to faith. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. When Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate, Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you have said so. And then when all the charges came against Jesus, Jesus kept silent, like a lamb led to the slaughter, and even Pontius Pilate was amazed. Many of the Christians who were thrown to the lions had authority over these nations. It is said that many died with a smile on their lips as they knew they were going to heaven. So when it talks about a rod of iron, when you look in the Old Testament, that rod can be a king's scepter, a shepherd's staff, a walking stick, a measuring rod, or a rod for beating in punishment. So this is a promise that God gives the father to his son in Psalm 2, verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. It reads, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. So the rulers of the earth are being warned, don't be fooling around with Christian members because you will be broken with a rod of iron. Verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. Here again, the outline continues with 
promises. What's the morning star? Uh, according to the scripture, the morning star is the last star to fade away with the rising of the sun. And therefore, the interpretation is it's Christ because he brings light into darkness with the rising of the sun. And then the letter ends, as do the others. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So an awful lot in this church to Thyatira, the message from Jesus Christ, as we find also in the other churches. And next week, we'll go to the next church in Revelation to see what's going on. As indicated on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to talk about a woman pastor in the newspaper who appears to be the Jezebel for our day. I'm Tom Baker. Join with me tomorrow on Law and Gospel. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.